Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. Today we are launching a new interview series in this podcast feed called Values in the Metaverse. In this series, we will interview designers, entrepreneurs, and experts working with concepts like digital fashion, metaverse, and NFTs. You've probably noticed by now that this is a topic that has been high on our minds the past year, and it's also the prime focus of our latest print issue of Scandinavian Mind. We decided to call that issue, and also this podcast, Values in the Metaverse, simply because if we're going to create new digital worlds, or even a parallel digital universe, we need to think about what kind of world we want to create, what values we are bringing into it. This is the Nordic perspective we want to apply to this subject. And it's only fitting that we want to start this series with the cover star of our latest issue, Mr. Kerry Murphy, founder of the digital fashion brand The Fabricant. Kerry is a Finnish-American entrepreneur based in Amsterdam, And he's also a big proponent for what he calls the new digital fashion industry. The Fabricant has collaborated with some of the world's biggest brands like Adidas, Tommy Hilfiger, Under Armour and Puma. What started out as the idea for a digital fashion brand is now evolving into a new definition of what the fashion house can be. According to Murphy, the Fabricant's vision includes both a brand, a community, an educational platform and a newly launched studio which enables anyone to become a digital fashion designer. The idea being that bringing traditional fashion and textile experts together with 3D designers and tech developers, the fabricant will lay the foundation for this new digital fashion world. I had a great time talking to Kerry. He's one of the most forward-thinking persons in this space. But before we listen to that, I just want to mention that I have started doing lectures and talks on this topic. Recently, I had the chance to speak to the entire menswear department of H&M, which I was really proud to have been invited to. In this lecture, I mentioned many of the projects and brands that we cover in the latest issue of Scandinavian Mind, including The Fabricant. And in an upcoming episode, we will publish outtakes from that lecture. And if you're interested in having us as a speaker, don't hesitate to reach out at conrad at scandinaviannmind.com. Also, don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events. Visit scandinaviannmind.com slash newsletter. Here now, my conversation with Kerry Murphy. Enjoy. Right, so I'm here with Kerry Murphy, the co-founder of The Fabricant. Kerry, thank you so much for speaking to me. GM, GM, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> um, so let's let's get right into it. When talking about concepts like digital fashion, NFTs, metaverse, all these things that people for the last year have been kind of waking up to in the mainstream, which you have been into quite a few years. Uh, there's always this notion of, um, you know, trying to wrap your head around new concepts. And I meet that all the time when I explain these things to like family members or people who are not into it. And I'm, I'm always curious about, you know, because I think everyone kind of had that moment in time when they realized the potential 
uh, of some of these things. And I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm curious if if you remember that type of moment in your life where you realized like digital fashion is going to be a thing. If it was like one pivotal moment, or if it was like a series of you know, maybe a couple of weeks where you just couldn't stop thinking about it, obsessed about the opportunities. I'm curious, what was there like this light bulb moment for you? Great question. And uh, it has been uh, many light bulb moments. Uh, but uh, th there's two moments that I always reflect back on and uh, that I make references to is that uh, when, when I realized that every other design industry had gone through digital transformation and fashion hadn't, uh, it was a very clear moment of like, oh, hey, of course it's going to happen in fashion as well. We've seen it with photography, film and visual effects, architecture, aeronautical, automotive, you name it. Like every big industry has, has gone through it. And now the moment of digital fashion has come. And this was around the 2016 moment. But when you started looking into it, there was not re <clears throat> real data to show you that, hey, people are buying digital fashion right now. Uh, so that was something that was missing. Uh, but it gave me a, a what, what I call a crystal ball uh, look into the future that fashion was going to be digital. I didn't know exactly how it looked like, uh, but it was strengthened by the vision uh, by my co-founder, Amber, who's a digital-only fashion designer and creative director at The Fabricant. Uh, she imagined this future where everybody will only wear one physical item of clothing overlaid by a digital layer of clothing. She she said it was sort of like a hologram back then, but I was never uh, a big fan of the word hologram because it implies technology. And right now the hologram technology is uh, very clunky and right. you know, it doesn't work so well. So it didn't really show the vision of the future in a, in a very good way. So we always uh, always said that it's that we're overlaid by a virtual identity on top of our physical bodies. So regardless of how that's going to happen from a tech perspective, this is the future that we foresee. And, uh, you know, whether it's going to happen or not, it's our guiding light towards kind of this digital only fashion industry right now. So that was the start. That's what you call AR, something digital laid upon like our traditional uh, reality. That, that, that's where it all started? Well, it's the, it's the blurring of the two worlds. It's the blurring of the digital world and the physical world. And right now we call it augmented reality. Uh, but in the future, we don't know what we're going to call it. We don't, because we're not so focused on the, the hardware and the technology side of it. We're just really focused on how can we make fashion beautiful and emotional in the, in the so-called metaverse. So in, in our virtual lives, how can we, how can we tell our stories? Uh, how, how can we really create our identities in our physical lives through digital fashion? Those are the guiding questions. And uh, so then we're relying on, Apple, Snap, uh, you know, all the big tech companies to come up with cool tech uh, that will allow us to put all of the millions of uh, digital fashion assets that we have uh, sitting on our hard drives collecting dust right now because there's not enough people to use it. Uh, mm. So we're just kind of waiting for that moment uh, when technology catches up with our vision and then we can basically just put it out there and the world will be ready to wear digital clothing. Wonderful. I want to stick on that moment for a while. And you mentioned the word called identity, which to me is at the core of what fashion is about. I mean, you can we can talk traditional fashion. It's you know garment. It goes back to the the origins of time. We need to shield our 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 bodies and protect ourselves. But when you talk about fashion, 
to me, the definition is identity. It's our projecting ourselves to the world. And, and whether, you know, we're super conscious about it or less conscious about it, we all do it, right? Uh, so, so take me back to those early conversations, perhaps with you and Amber. What, 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 what was it about? Because I'm sure you talked about these definitions back then. What, what, how did you define fashion? Yeah, great question. I, I, I need to rewind back uh, because this was like uh, six years ago. Uh, I remember just meeting up with Amber just from the very first conversation onwards. Like we were very aligned uh, on like what the future vision is. And a lot of the conversations were, okay, how can we get people to, to wear digital clothing? Like what is the true value of digital clothing? Because like you say, with physical clothing, it's, it's to cover your body. Uh, you know, that's the functionality, but the true functionality of clothing are our identities, are the stories that, that we're telling. So we, we really needed to focus on that, especially because once we started, you know, rolling out with our work, everybody was like, oh, digital fashion, that doesn't make any sense. That's pretty stupid. How do I touch it? How do I wear it? I, I want to smell it, you know, like all kinds of weird things that people were saying uh, in 2018, 2019. And uh, yeah, we're just kind of like, well, if we, if we don't want to have that conversation anymore, we need to focus the value somewhere else uh, other than the wearing part. So we really started focusing on the identities. And that's that was kind of our leading conversation as well of trying to understand, like, what, what is the true emotional need that people have with clothing? Um, you know, from all the way from the hardcore fashionistas to the people who so-called don't care about fashion. Because that's also a statement, you know, like anytime we decide to put clothing on our bodies, it's a statement and it's a form of storytelling and it's a form of identity. So how can we create that uh, experience? I will always call it, we need to create an interactive digital experience that's better than the physical experience as a digital experience for people to care about. So that's the conversation that's been going around since the very beginning. And uh, that's what we've been building since the very beginning. And we all only feel like we're kind of in the second week of uh, building that experience. <laughs> Four years in. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, no, we'll get to, to the fabricant and the concept. And I want to get into the, the weeds on that. But you mentioned there was two uh, sort of light bulb moments. Uh, maybe I, I missed the second one or, or what was that? Yeah, sorry. I didn't actually get into that. It's, it's, my, fa it's my favorite uh, uh, reference. Kodak. Uh, Kodak was the, the monopoly for like 100 years in the film industry. Uh, they went bankrupt in 2012 uh, simply because they refused to uh, do digital transformation or they started it too late or because they were so inherently in their DNA, an analog film company, that they didn't understand what digital film meant. So all the things that they valued around analog film was, of course, not there with digital film. Uh, and they went bankrupt in 2012. So my question always is like, who's going to be the big fashion house that goes bankrupt in the future because they refuse to digitize? And, you know, that's 100% sure going to happen because they still value that old traditional craftsmanship when in fact digital is also craftsmanship. It just takes craftsmanship to a different place, to a different level. So the things that they value in the traditional fashion industry are going to start disappearing. I just think it's going to be a, a generational uh, a change, you know, so kind of like when the new generation, the, the kids of 15 who love playing Fortnite right now and playing skin, uh, playing Fortnite, buying skins on Fortnite will start emerging. They're going to start demanding for those digital experiences 
And there's still, you know, fashion companies who pride themselves on not being on social media, not having an e-commerce channel, not doing anything digital because they're so inherently in that kind of like craftsmanship of the physicality side of it. And that's great. I love that. But it's not, it's not going to be part of the future. We, we can't deny that, you know, digital is not going to be part of our futures. Our lives are becoming more and more digital. So that's why it's a super important for, for brands to embrace this and understand this and keep their integrity in place while embodying new technologies. I think that's going to be something that's going to be very, very crucial uh, for these brands. So definitely Kodak's story, one of my favorite ones, uh, uh, because it just kind of informs us of what's going to happen in the future again. And has that also given you sort of uh, confidence to go forward with this, even though I'm, I'm sure you get uh, people around you that are, are uh, less bullish on this and, and want to shoot you down? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we still have to spoon feed a lot of people uh, and uh, convince them. Uh, but we, we try to avoid those conversations because you, you can't convince somebody who's so self-convinced of themselves that this will not happen. So that's why we really focus on people uh, who, who, do, do, who do understand it, who are open-minded, who are curious, who are asking the questions, uh, because the questions are more important right now than the solutions. And uh, yeah, we just need to get into that energy and get into those places where people are building and you know, really building from a place of value rather than like, oh yeah, this money is in digital. We need to do digital because that's where the money is. You know, That's not the right way of building. Mm. You mentioned um, a generational thing and, and you know, I want to get into to uh, you know uh, the concept and I also want to talk about the sort of legacy uh, fashion brands and wh what, what their role will be, but we'll, we'll leave that aside. But uh, I just want to mention, you know, my favorite sort of eye-opening moment in my life. It's it's coming up on a year now. I think it was last spring where uh, my daughter, who then was 10, was calling from me from the other room. Uh, she was shouting like, Dad, Dad, do you think I should wear this cap? And I get into the room and she's not wearing a cap physically. She's holding up her phone with her avatar in a red cap. And... You know the 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 sort of you know the, the 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 light bulb moment for me was that not that she was wanting to buy a stuff for her it was Roblox I think like she always she she she's been doing like microtransactions buying things features you know levels whatever but she said do you think I should wear this cap really? so for her it, it was her identity uh, you know like it was it, it was an extension of of herself mm -hmm. and. I started thinking about it, like, and, and I realized it completely makes sense. She comes home from school. That's where she meets her friends. That, she can hang out there for a couple of hours with her friends, talking, like, constantly about stuff, not only about the game. She's, like, con talking about stuff that happened in school. She's, like, me hanging out there. Mm -hmm. And, of course, she's going to care about what she looks like in that environment. Um, well. I don't have a question about that. I just want to share that. But I was, I, I, what I'm curious about is how do you see the generational shift? Because now I think in the past year, people have been opening up to, you know, obviously Facebook made their big announcement. Microsoft has said they're going to do like metaverses for, for Microsoft uh, um, Office. And that kind of makes sense. But where do you see the, 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 um, the generational shift, you know, and will, you know, Fabricant blow up only when my daughter's generation will be old enough to, to pay for these things? Where do you see that going into it? Who is your target group? Yeah, that, that's great speculation right now of trying to understand uh, 
what are all the steps that we need to take, knowing that this will be the biggest thing in the future, uh, but not knowing when it will be, you know, so that, that's why it becomes uh, quite strategic and ha to have a proper understanding of like, how, how do we keep moving forward? And uh, I think the answer there is that we just keep focusing on the target audiences that do understand it, but also the target audiences who, who do have the purchasing power. Um, you know, because your daughter is still not making money, but she grows up with this idea that digital assets do have value, you know, so 10, 15 years from now, when she has her own job and, you know, she's going into these digital experiences, she, she will be part of our target audience. Uh, but of course, by that time, there's going to be thousands of different uh, digital brands already. So right now, uh, from if we're going to really talk about who is the fabricant targeting right now? Well, right now it's the uh, so-called crypto bros, you know, the people uh, who understand digital assets on the blockchain, people who understand the user experience of using digital currencies on the blockchain, because that's those are the people that typically see the most value when speaking to traditional fashionistas. You know, they don't, they're scared about blockchain, you know, they're scared about digital experiences, they're scared about our digital lives. They're like, I still want my real life experiences, my real life events. I still want real clothing. I want to go to real fashion shows. So we, we will definitely have to wait a, a while. Let's say 2025, uh, 2030, uh, something like that before we get like true mainstream adoption throughout the whole world. But you know, there's already millions of people buying it. And a great example again is all the games that exist. Um, Fortnite generating like 60 million a month from skins. Um, you know, all the Activision, Blizzard games or, and League of Legends. Most of their money is made from the in-game assets. You know, they just have like non-sexy names right now. You know, in-game asset. You know, nobody wants to, nobody wakes <laughs> up in the morning of like, oh my God, in-game assets. I'm so, so excited. But when, when, when you, when you change that dialogue into something different, when it's really about identity and fashion and storytelling, then it becomes something different that, oh, I'm waking up today and I need to ask myself, well, what am I going to wear in the metaverse today? What am I going to wear in my virtual identity today? How do I want to present myself today as, as this virtual person? And again, you know, I love the example of your daughter because she doesn't differentiate, you know, like she's interacting through a, a computer, uh, through a virtual medium and just, hanging out with their friends in, in the metaverse. They're not playing no like first person shooters. You know, it doesn't have to have a point other than this kind of socializing and community perspective. I think community is one of the mo biggest keywords that that's happening right now in, in the Web3 space that we really need to focus on. So we're really going to go after the people who already have this virtual existence and, you know, they hang out in Discord and Roblox and Twitter, just having conversations with the whole world. And the great thing about it is it's connecting us to the whole world. So, you know, geographical limitation is like the easiest thing to solve. So if you think for any fashion brand who starts, let's say, in France, and they know China is the biggest market, it's so hard and so yeah. difficult yeah. to actually get into China and start connecting to those consumers. But we as a metaverse uh, native company, we can do that today super easily and we already mm. are we're a multinational company with you know remote workers all over the world and audiences all over the world and constantly getting people from japan 
Argentina, Hawaii, all the corners of the world asking about digital fashion. So it's the easiest way to scale. And that's why I say digital fashion will be way larger than phys physical fashion is the scalability. That's like one of the core things that will make us more successful than physical fashion brands. No supply chains, no uh, expansion plans, uh, which are like super difficult to do. No, everything in the so-called metaverse where the whole world comes and uh, connects. Does that answer your question, by the way, or do I just ramble there? No, I think all of these aspects are super fascinating. I, I, I don't even remember what my question was almost. Uh, uh, but I, on that note that you just mentioned, and you write that you have a white paper out on Medium that kind of sort of, you know, outlines the, the, the vision and concept uh, of the fabricant. And, and I just want to pick up on that. You write that I think it's your vision that, that is to lead the fashion industry towards a new sector of digital-only clothing that wastes nothing but data and exploits nothing but imagination. I, I really like that uh, wording. And I'm curious because my entry point into this was as a journalist covering uh, the you know apparent issues of sustainability and, and harm on the planet from the traditional fashion industry. And it was my sort of uh, reasoning that well, if my daughter's generation can spend less money on physical clothes and we can sort of uh, ease the pressure on the planet that that way and she can spend, you know, uh, the need for her identity in digital worlds, perhaps it's not obviously so. It's not it, it won't happen by itself, but it could be a way forward in terms of sustainability. Has that been part of the conversation for you guys as well? 100%. So, you know, uh, like I said, scalability was uh, one of the key things that's going to make us bigger than the physical fashion industry. Sustainability is the, is the other one. And the thing is, sustainability has been at the core of everything that we do since the very beginning. And this very idea that you just mentioned right now, we can get those emotional fixes in the, in the digital space. Uh, we just need to create that digital experience that's better than the physical experience. And, you know, it's, it's really about identifying people's, uh, psychological needs, but also understanding their socioeconomic backgrounds. Why does somebody go into Primark or H&M to buy six bags of clothing to walk out of there only to wear once or never on their body? What is that emotional need that drives them to do something like that? And it's just, it gets very, very deep, but we don't necessarily need to go into that right now. But the sustainability is everything that we've been talking about since the very, very beginning, since day one. However, sustainability, again, is not what gets people out of bed in the morning. It's like, oh, my God, I'm going to work on the sustainability of the world. And there are great people working on the sustainability side of things. Um, and we at, we're big advocates for it. We have a sustainability report on our website on the, what, what, the, what is digital t-shirt production costs versus physical t-shirt production costs. And, you know, like how does that, you know, work in the advantage of digital, uh, with sustainability with, you know, because we have to think about energy use, uh, and what the physical fashion industry needs to think about water use materials, you know, so, so many more other things. So the result of that in very short is that we're actually 3% of the carbon footprint from, from physical fashion. So, but is that low. Yeah. 3%. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And we, we've done like research with the Imperial college uh, in, in London about this very, very extensive research. 
and other 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 players have done the same and everybody comes to the same results it's three percent you're welcome to download that report from our website you know so but but again sustainability is not something that um you know gets the people going in that sense you know like uh, of like get people excited about digital fashion. Oh, I'm going to wear digital fashion because it's more sustainable. No, nobody's going to do that. Uh, so that's why we need to think about the value proposition of digital fashion. And it's in the identity side. It's in the experience side. And the, the experience will be the key to crack that. Because like I said, once we have a better digital experience when it comes down to shopping clothing versus the, the physical experience. And right now it's like, e-commerce channel you know white page with flat 2d items and you're just kind of like it's very informative and i always talk about the the informative versus inspirational now going to the high street is it's an emotional experience it's a curated experience as soon as you enter the store you're already getting a, a wave of emotions there's music, there's art, there's people, everything's curated in a, in a, in a, in a way. There's smells, there's colors, you know, so it becomes something that it's just nice to do. You know, that's why window shopping is a term because you just go and look at it just because you, you like it. Now, how do we create that digital experience that people are like, I don't want to go out, out to the high street. I, I want, I want to actually have a digital shopping experience because it's gamified, because it's interactive, because it's fun. That's that's kind of the world that we're going towards to, and there's some fantastic people uh, already building there, uh, including us. But the gaming companies are actually giving us the biggest view on what what an interactive experience will be. And again, because it will be so different, a traditional fashionista, you know, somebody in their mid thirties or mid forties and older right now, probably won't care in their lifetime about this. But it's your daughter's generation who will. Who will be just like, oh, hey, I'd rather hang out in the metaverse. I'd rather go shopping with my friends all over the world in the Decentraland, Meta Mall, whatever. You know, there's going to be thousands of these experiences and just buy, buy digital clothing. And for the, you know, I'm not saying for the physical fashion industry that it, it's going to completely replace that. No, it's going to be additional. It's going to create additional value for the physical fashion industry where people who buy digital items they could actually say, oh, I actually want the physical item for this as well. But if anything, I think people are going to be more intentional of like what they buy because of the of the sustainability aspect, because they realize that they also don't want a big closet with massive amounts of clutter, you know, because my generation is thought with this idea that a closet needs to be the size of a full room and that full room needs to be full of clothes, you know, <laughs> hundreds yeah. of items that you hardly ever use, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of in between because my, I have a, let's say a laundry room and it's like, it's got a big closet and it's like taking majority of the room. And I'm just kind of like, what a waste of space. It's like, how many items do I actually use in this closet? And I'm constantly trying to get rid of stuff and recycle and sell things away. But it just seems like my past is still kicking me in the ass when I was, when I was doing that emotional buying. That's really, really hard to get rid of this stuff. So of course I live in the bubble where I see the, the sustainability aspect being very big. Now, how do we get other people to, to see it and believe it? And also just kind of live and breathe by that. That again is going to be. Uh, part of our challenge, which is to present them with a vision that's way stronger and way better for the planet.
So uh, honestly, I can talk about sustainability for hours, but uh, I'll pause right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I, I I'd love to get get back to it, and we'll see how far we we go with with this uh, hour that we have scheduled for right now. And and um, just going back to traditional fashion, it's interesting how they really dropped the ball on the experiential aspect of of uh, their online presence with the with sort of the white grid of of the products. It's almost like something that you. Uh, it's something for the someone working in the warehouse or something, not for the <laughs> consumer. Exactly. Uh, but I think it's time for uh, for for us to talk about the fabricant. Uh, and and uh, you know, I've been having you talking about this concept now for for twenty five minutes without having you uh, um, present your your innovation and your company. So just uh, for starters, give us the the headlines for uh, the fabricant. Uh, what's the elevator pitch, and we'll go from there. Ooh, so uh, I just finished the uh, uh, investment round. So for three months, I was doing uh, nothing but elevator pitches uh, straight away. But that was like uh, a little bit over a month ago. So let's see if I can uh, get my uh, elevator pitch straight. But it always depends on who you're talking to as well. So have, knowing what kind of audience is there. Uh, so it always needs to change. Uh, but the elevator pitch for, for, for the fabricant is, and you already actually... Uh, basically said it from, from our Medium article, um, but how, how we're really just focusing on the future, the fabricant is building the digital-only fashion industry. So we're not only building a fashion brand where we design digital clothing and people can wear digital clothing, we're actually building the digital-only fashion industry. So if you think about the, what is the fashion industry right now, all the way from, let's say, cotton farming or, or wool or creating polyester, all the way to recycling, upselling, and everything in between. You know, so essentially the PLM, product lifecycle uh, management systems that exist where they're you know, trying to define every single point. Now, what does that mean in the metaverse? What does it mean to, to farm cotton in the metaverse? What does it mean to create wool in the metaverse? You know, it's, it's a completely different function. So how do we not create a literal translation of material creation in the metaverse? But we make it something like farming algorithms, uh, farming digital sheep. Uh, it can be, it can get very playful. And there's a lot of games who are already doing that. Uh, one of them is called Wolf Game, Wolf Got Game, which is basically a game of wolves and sheep uh, where you're producing wool, but the wool is actually connected to a cryptocurrency itself. Like, okay. look, look it up. I, I, I love that experience. I will. Yeah, it's like a very, very simple uh, 8-bit looking game, but then connected to decentralized finance systems as well. And our main question is, how will we build this industry? What are our focus points? And right now, what we're focusing on is the wardrobe experience. It's the, the buying experience and it's the wardrobe experience. Me buying digital clothing, me having a wardrobe of digital only clothing, and then the so-called wearing side of it. So what does wearing mean with the fabricant? Well, right now it's augmented reality filters using Snapchat camera kit. It's uh, optimizing assets for NFT games. And when I talk about NFT games, it's like Star Atlas, which is on Unreal Engine, Sandbox, which is on Unity, uh, and multiple other ones. Uh, and then constantly doing that optimization of those assets so they can live in the so-called metaverse. And then, of Meaning course... The, portability. You're, you're able to put, put the, 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 the fashion pieces of garments, digital garments, into various different metaverses and environments, right? Ex exactly. So I love that word, portability. In the, in the so-called very technical terms, it's... Um, 
what inter oh god i'm sorry english is not my first language so i so that's this, why you're uh, here that's why you're yeah, here this scandinavian is, mind <laughs> so the, the words just drop out of my mind uh, but yeah let, let's call interoperability? it interoperability is it interoperability. that word there you, you go thank you portability interoperability almost mm. the same thing so interoperability is something that we talk about all, all the time uh mm. very important and then of course the the sharing to social media so there's kind of like a niche trend that people send in uh pictures to a service and this mm. service puts digital clothing onto the pictures themselves so people can share them on social media we're not per se doing that uh but you know it's it's along the lines because we want people to interact and so-called wear digital clothing or wearing of course that, that will evolve uh, as the technologies evolve as well uh and then we need to create this experience you know which is all about creating digital clothing so we want mm. people to become creators of digital clothing similar to what the smartphone did again mm. one of my favorite examples smartphone made everybody a photographer made everybody a videographer everybody yeah. a content maker so all of a sudden my mom is taking pictures and you know of landscapes and people and sharing mm. it on social media so essentially she's a photographer my mom never thought that she would be a photographer she says that she's not creative we're creating the tool that makes everybody a digital fashion designer or at least gives them the sense and the feeling that they are designing these clothes and right now it's just like you know picking materials picking items and creating unique combinations and a great example of that is again in games when you're creating your own avatar uh there's fantastic games like Cyberpunk 2077, Red Dead Redemption, and many other games where you need to create your own avatar. And it's that's a so-called avatar configurator. Well, we're creating a very powerful clothing configurator, garment configurator, where you get to design your clothing to the point where you're choosing patterns, where you're choosing stitches, where you're thinking about the seams, where you're thinking about all the details. And it's your creative expression connected to the digital-only clothing and that you get to own that and you get to wear it and you get to sell it in the so-called metaverse this is the starting point and from there we're just going to expand to these experiences that goes all the way to the beginning which is one is the material creation how do you create materials in the metaverse all the way to the end which is recycling what does recycling of digital clothing mean uh upselling of digital clothing you know to to sell it more than you bought it for that's already happening um what what else that's like there's so so many different experiences that we can think of uh for, for digital clothing but you need to change the meaning of it in the metaverse because vintage digital clothing just happens to have a different function and different experience than in 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 the in the real world so we need to create those experiences but that's what i love about the web3 world as well you know it's it's so called decentralized so we don't have to do that all on our own we just have to build a community of creators who are going to build it together with us and it's not only us who have that vision right now there's multiple other great companies who are doing that already so the metaverse is not going to come from one company it's not going to come from facebook it's not going to come from epic games it's going to come from the whole world of creators and builders who are going to start connecting and again let to come back to that word interoperability the portability that's going to be the key to success when when we talk about the so-called metaverse itself yeah okay so well, it's going to be very... 
it's going to be interesting to see, uh, just picking up on what you said about vintage clothing. I'm, I'm sure there are certain aspects about digital vintage clothing that's going to be kind of the same as, as physical clothing because styles differ over the years. So when looking back at, uh, you know, 2022 and some of the first garments that you released and people released on your platform, perhaps they will be felt like it's so 2022. Uh, and in that sense, they're not going to be worn out in the same sense. But maybe they'll have like an outdated style and, and uh, you know, whatever. The Gen Seers, the old Gen Seers. You're gonna, yeah, yeah. You're gonna, uh... Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's a great thing because, again, the experience is different. Because you have to time stamp on the clothing. Because it, because it lives on the blockchain, you know the exact very moment that it was created. And you get that history connected to it. So how that digital item travels throughout its lifetime is going to be connected. So you're going to have like historians seeing you know what wallet owned this digital fashion item where has it been you can be like oh kanye west owned this item at some point which is going to give it like additional value similar like what we're doing with physical clothing right now you know that our museum piece is about to kind of wither and be blown away if they're not protected in a proper manner all digital clothing is there to stay and that that kind of history provenance uh, legacy, the storytelling aspect is going to be super visible, which is going to create more value for these items. But that being said, there's also going to be a lot of noise because, you know, the, so many digital items can be made, uh, you know, so it's going to be really hard to find what, what is valuable and what's not. And that's why I love that there's these digital archaeologists coming up, uh, as somebody who just is going through blockchain right now finding wallets from like uh, 2015 that hold like 10,000 Bitcoin and never has never been touched. And you're just kind of like, oh, there's a massive gold mine there, but I can't access it. You know, that, that's that's kind of going to be similar for, for, for fashion, not only for fashion, but any digital asset where you're just going to be able to look 500 years from now to this moment of 2022 of like, oh my God, this item was done 500 years ago, and then they're going to be auctioned in, in like Sotheby's uh, 5.0 of like, okay, now we're selling this digital fashion item for billions of bitcoins. You know, that's kind of where the future is heading at. I like that the, the digital Indiana Jones uh, scouring exactly. the internet for for yeah. for rare collapse. Uh, let's let's circle back to the fabricant because uh, I think we still need to sort of uh, ex explain what you're trying to do. I think from many of the earlier articles and and when 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 I started researching digital fashion, obviously your name came up as sort of the digital fashion brand, and you have done quite a lot of collabs uh, um, throughout the the last couple of years. It's been everything from uh, Tommy Hilfiger to Adidas to Napapiri and 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 you know under armor a bunch of uh, sort of kind of legacy brands um uh and didn't you at some point do the did you do the carlings uh um project no i'm sorry that came up in the research that was wrong uh but <clears throat> um what what my, what i wanted to get to is uh and what you said in the beginning of describing the fabricant is you you don't want to be one singular brand. It's not like the, the fabricant and, and Amber is the designer of the fabricant. You're actually creating a much bigger sort of ecosystem. Uh, and it's being kind of launched uh, right now or, or during these weeks. Can you talk about the, the, the studio and how that works? Yeah, so we talk about the concept of digital fashion house. So what does that mean? Um, a traditional fashion house designs clothing produces clothing sells clothing you know that's a that's a fashion house 
Well, the digital fashion house is much more than that. And uh, it's anybody can define what is a digital fashion house, but what it means for us is having that label where we design clothing, where we have the craftsmanship of fashion. And for me, that's the, that's the part that creates curiosity and inspires people to understand the craftsmanship of digital fashion. But then we also have the Fabric and Studio, which is part of the, the full digital fashion house, which is a platform, a scalable platform that makes everybody a digital fashion designer, like I was just talking about. But then we also have the community. The community being super important. It's not only people who buy our digital clothing. It's people who build with us. You know, so, so the so-called idea of decentralization, building the metaverse together with the community, super important. And the fourth pillar is the academy. So what we call the Fabrican Academy, where we're uh, teaching people who don't understand how we do things because what we do is super complex. It's, uh, it's fashion design. It's visual effects. It's gaming technology it's blockchain technology you know so there's a big um kind of a technology component to it and we're really sitting at the intersection between all of those and we want to teach our community of how to become become an amazing fashion designer using uh, clothes 3d software how to become amazing visual effects designer how do you do lighting materials rendering uh what 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 do blockchain mechanics uh uh, uh you know use like what what do you need to do uh, to have like a successful project, how do you create value for your for your project? So we really want to educate the our community, and that way use it use it to actually funnel into the Fabricant Studio and the Fabricant label. Uh, so we get talent into the label, so we get design and three D talent into the label, so we get um, design talent onto the Fabricant Studio. Uh, so people can help us out creating AR filters, doing asset optimization helping us out with all the technical stuff. So that's the way we're avoiding uh, bottlenecks when it comes down to the production line itself. So not not only are we just designing clothing, you know, we're, we're building tech, we're building community, and we're building an education platform uh, because we're true believers in that we need to give to the world as much as possible. And this is part of the, let's say, the sustainability goal. It's part of the creating the interactive experience glow. Uh, uh, and it's a way of scaling that. It's a way of accelerating that because we can't do it on our own. We need, we need to do it together. So again, four domains, the Fabricant label to inspire, the Fabricant studio to onboard the mainstream audiences, the main, the whole world, basically digital fashion experience, the community side, which is, uh, one of the most important things. If there's no community, there's no product and the academy side. Uh, to teach people and accelerate the growth of digital fashion. That, that's to us what our, uh, uh, concept of a digital fashion house is. And then for all the people who wonder, how do we make money? Uh, because there's always business people who find that very important. Well, business modeling is a creative exercise that we're constantly playing around with. So the main drivers are really from the fabric and studio right now. And there we have uh, a marketplace where we have marketplace fees. Uh, and even though our legacy is, you know, working with brands, uh, we're kind of continuing that. We want brands to come to the platform as well. But typically these brands don't have any digital assets, you know, so they need digital assets created and then we can sell it on the marketplace. So, you know, for, for example, if Adidas came to us and Adidas didn't have any digital assets, well, they do. Adidas has a lot of digital assets. But if they wouldn't, 
we would help them out with those digital assets and we would help them on board on there. You know, so there, there's a few different components that can really uh, <clears throat> be put into the to the to the business model. But the primary primary business model is really focused around the, the marketplace. So it's super important to to get the volume up of quality items onto the marketplace and get the volume up for the sales as well, because what the blockchain uh, enables it enables us to get a, a primary marketplace fee. But when those items sell further down the line, we still get secondary fees forever and forever. So, you know, like one item that gets created on the studio right now, if it gets sold 20 years from now, we're still making royalties on those. So that's why it's super important to get these, you know, quality items there that just keep selling for a lifetime because that's the way you're going to exponentially grow the, the, the business model and, and the revenues. And it's all based on volume. And that's obviously the power of, of NFTs and, and the blockchain technology. Right. Um, I want to stick on this for a while. How you describe your business is really interesting and, and how you describe the setup of your company is really interesting because... You know, I, I'm always fascinated by these kind of uh, transformational periods in time where we move from kind of one way of doing things uh, to another. And, I, and as, as we, you know, mentioned in the start of this conversation, this is you, you're, you're right in the thick of it. You're in the middle of it. And I find it fascinating that, I mean, you know, you want to create a fashion industry. So you're using kind of a legacy term to describe something that's essentially very new. Um, if you would um, describe sort of the similarities to the, the sort of legacy fashion industry uh, to what you're doing and what's completely new, can you just, I'm sure you kind of said it just, but if you would break that down, because, you know, you do have aspects of your business that is, I mean, whether it's design, I'm sure it's communication, you mentioned community, you know, a bunch of these things that are, are kind of strong in the uh, sort of legacy fashion business, if you call it that. But then you mentioned all other things like, I'm sure you have like 3D artists and you have to, you have to, you know, do interoperability with different metaverses and stuff like that, like that the traditional fashion brands, they don't even know, they have no clue, right? So can you break that down a little bit? When are you a traditional fashion player and when are you like a completely new thing? Great question. I think there's a lot of different answers to that. Um, let me use ourselves as an example uh, because I, I think we are one of the better examples. There's a few other ones as well. Um, but for us, as I mentioned, we're at the intersection of fashion, gaming and blockchain. So it's, it's really, you know, those three different industries coming together. So it's three different skill sets, three different languages, uh, three different cultures. So if you think of like a, a blockchain developer working together with a, with a fashion designer, you can already kind of imagine that it's. That's a television show. Yeah. The, the, honestly, the soap opera that happens there. Uh, and you know, that we, I have a great amount of experiences in the past years, uh, where a lot of visual effects designers came in. And left very quickly as well, simply because they couldn't operate in the in in, in the environment itself. That's interesting. Yeah. So that there's kind of like bringing uh, all these different cultures into into this kind of fashion mindset, this fashion world has always been a challenge. So for me, any any fashion brand of the future, let's just say how how a traditional fashion brand needs to change, they need to bring in people who understand 3D design, who understand 3D engineering who understand uh, visual effects pipelines, who understand gaming technology like Unreal Engine, 
And now what they're also really uh, struggling with is the metaverse idea. So all these luxury brands that, that I've been speaking to years, all of a sudden they all have chief metaverse officers, some type of uh, metaverse person who just uh, is just coming in and has to define a strategy, but has no metaverse experience because they just don't exist. Nike is hiring like crazy. The caring group uh, brands are hiring like crazy. Uh, everybody's getting promotion to whatever head of metaverse, director of metaverse, CEO of metaverse. Um, you know, so that's, that's a big challenge for them. Uh, but the ones that are moving towards that space right now are making the right moves. They just need to figure out what does it mean for them and what's going to be super vulnerable. The traditional creative directors in fashion brands, they're very, you know, still like, oh, I need to touch it. I need to do everything by hand rather than, Hey, you can do everything with the computer these days. So again, that generational difference needs to happen. They need to get out with the old dinosaurs and they need to be bringing young super talent uh, into it who understand these experiences. So that's going to be very, very crucial. And also to understand that the supply chain, it's not going to be some crazy fragmented experience anymore. Your, your full supply chain is living in the PC, you know? So the whole fashion industry is basically in one computer. And it's just about shutting that computer down into an office and be like, okay, here we're doing everything from material creation all the way to, you know, just understand what is the end cycle of, of, of these items. And then you can connect that later on to, to the physical experience. So it's really going to revolutionize the way physical fashion brands needs to operate. Does anybody in the fashion industry have that understanding? Uh, very few, if any. Um, I don't think anybody is capable of uh, having the, the vision plus the capacity to, to execute the vision. Because for me, having a vision without execution is just nothing. You know, then you're, you're just dreaming about a, a better future without being able to, to do it. Let's, let's stick on that for a while because I'm, I'm super, I'm, I'm super curious to see how this will play out. Uh, because if there's something that, you know, not every, you know, traditional fashion brand has, but definitely, uh, you know, the, the bigger ones, uh, especially the ones in the luxury sector. Uh, I always thought that the, you know, the, the types of fashion that have a strong kind of a community around it, a strong kind of collectability around it, uh, will do fairly well if they can transition into digital spaces. So meaning sort of, we're already seeing sneaker culture moving into digital. No surprise there because there's already the kind of like a community and collectability around it. You know, I'm sure, you know, people still, you know, my wife is online buying sort of vintage Gucci pieces from the 70s because she likes sort of Gucci and Louis Vuitton, right? And and that, what's that? It's brand, right? And it's sort of fashion history. So I'm sure that, you know, in my mind, completely natural uh, uh, for them to move into digital spaces and take some of that brand value and history into into the metaverse and, and digital. Where do you see this going? And, and you, you have also worked with some of the, 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 the traditional uh, fashion brands. Uh, have you like a sense of, of how, how this will play out? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have, I have a sense. Uh, there's going to be the ones uh, who totally don't get it and going to lose out in the long term. And then there's, there's the ones who are already making uh, great steps uh, towards the space. Uh, Nike, they bought uh, Artifact, you know, uh, 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 like a few months back. 
which of course was a big thing for us because it's the first time that a, a digitally native brand has been bought and especially by Nike, that's a, that's a big move. And I think that came because Adidas was kind of doing their metaverse move, which was like, oh, let us buy one board ape and uh, work with Chi Money, who's an OG in the, in the industry and make our own NFT drop, you know? It's just two, two different scales, but they're both moving into that space. Gucci is doing great things. Balenciaga is doing great things. That's really from the caring group. I don't know if we've really seen anything from the LVMH group yet. That no, kind of... on the contrary. They've said that they, they, they don't want to get into it, at least right now. Yeah, right, which doesn't surprise me because uh, speaking with LVMH has always been like, you know, they're, they're interested, but they're always like, oh, but that this is not us, you know, because they're still so kind of, stuck into that old old frame of thinking and you know that's completely fine but you know sooner or later they're, they're also going to move into that space uh so everything's a matter of timing and i think it just comes down to what one when is their consumer where when is their target consumer ready to actually adopt thinking that uh digital louis vuitton is actually cool that's the that's the time that they're going to move into that space but if their consumers are still like, no, we don't care anything about the metaverse, they're also not going to uh, move into that space. These brands, they're massive. They're super smart. They, ha- they have great teams who are capable of understanding what the consumers want. So they're capable of moving there. I, I think that the big challenge will be for the smaller brands themselves, You know, the ones who are kind of in this constant survival mode, who are constantly just trying to get out a new collection so they can make enough money to survive the next six months. Those are the brands that are going to suffer the most because, first of all, they don't have the resources to understand, you know, where, where the world is truly moving to. They only have, you know, current data of the current market, but not of like what are the, you know, like where's the market heading towards to. And, you know, they can't move to 3D. They just like don't have that capacity. I've had so many questions from small brands come to us. It's like, yeah, we really need to move to 3D. Uh, but we don't have resources. Is there something that we can do together? And I'm like, well, hey, we're also, uh, you know, a startup who's still just trying to get through the day with the knowledge that, hey, in the future will be massive. But right now we're just trying to figure it out. So that's why we started the Fabric and Studio as well, which essentially should make it a little bit easier for everybody to start a digital only brand without having to have that 3D knowledge. So in the future, the Fabricant Studio will be an open ecosystem where a traditional fashion brand with no 3D capacity can come in, put their clothing on there and sell it to, let's say, the so-called metaverse audiences. Uh, So speaking about the the Fabricant Studio, I was really fascinated about what are the tools you are giving designers? Because what you're just saying is, is something I see in the fashion industry as well. I mean, fashion industry is just, they're, they're keeping up with digitizing their, 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 their commerce, right? They can't even do a, a website uh, good enough, you know, especially the smaller brands, right? And I get it. It's hard. If you work with a traditional industry for, for a hundred years, the ways of working is like you're at a, you know, fair somewhere selling to a, a retailer. That, that's what they've been doing. And so it's not natural for them. Uh, uh, and I kind of feel sorry for them uh, uh, in that sense. They don't have the, the skills, right? Uh, but then there are, you know, great designers and brand builders that you really want to see thrive and that I really w- would like to see moving into this direction. It feels like what you're doing with the Fabricant Studio is 
kind of giving them the the, the toolbox, right? And uh, just give me a little sense of, of what are the tools. And you mentioned, you know, digital garments, stuff like that, things that takes a long time to, I'm sure, develop for, for a, a digital designer. So how does that work? There's two components to that. Uh, first of all, is the software component. So we use software uh, to create our digital fashion items. And we just happen to use Clothe 3D and Marvelous Designer for that 3D modeling of the, of the 3D clothing. But there you need software knowledge. You need to understand patterns. You need to understand stitching, sewing. You need to understand all the, the craftsmanship of, of fashion. And we, we, so that's what our academy is for. Our academy is, you know, really focused on those people who just, who have the traditional background and want to understand software knowledge. So we help them out, but that's, let's say, much smaller scale. And then there's the other side, which is the Vapican Studio, which is simplifying the digital clothing creation and just by putting it into a tool. So if you think about how photography has gone from super complex cameras using jargon that nobody understands, like f-stop, uh, shutter speed, iris, ISO, you know, like most people just don't even have an understanding of that. And all of a sudden you have the smartphone there who just kind of just come, you just click and you have a, a great picture that is uh, trying to adjust the lighting for you and trying to make the picture as beautiful as possible. It's a similar type of concept of where you take the the complexities of the technicalities away uh, and give people the, the, the power of the experience to do something that they understand because everybody uses clothing. Everybody understands how clothing functions. So it's just about creating that experience for them where they say, oh, I like those buttons and I want those buttons to be placed there. I like that zipper. I like that collar. I like that material. But just kind of simplifying the tools, putting them right in front of them. So it's as simple as, uh, you know, pick and choose, you know, just take that one and create a unique combination. Uh, for yourself, like what, what I was saying earlier on, the avatar configurator. But right now, this is going to be a, a garment configurator. And right now, it's super basic. It's basically choose your garment, choose your material, create a combination, and that's your unique combination. Well, in the future, uh, as we proceed, this tool is going to become much, much more powerful, where we try to make it almost invisible to the people that they they really feel like they are the true fashion designers that nobody else can do this. It's not going to go as far as patterns, but it's definitely go as far as like just creating the silhouettes, creating the shapes and adjusting things uh, just to give enough power to be like, hey, I, I did this, you know, but people already get that sense. But we just want to make it more powerful because again, I use the word experience a lot, especially interactive experience. We just need to create that interactive experience that gets people, you know, where they wake up in the morning and they're like, oh, my God, I, I want to make my own digital fashion item on, on the Fabric and Studio. And it, it really comes from that excitement and that passion and, you know, really seeing that you're contributing to something and that you're capable of doing something. So the Fabric and Studio is essentially going to create the designers of the future, the, the Virgil Oblast, the Karl Lagerfelds, the Coco Chanel's of the future are going to come from the Fabrican Studio. The, all the, the brands of the future are going to come from, from the, from, from the platform. It's, so it's not that you're only a designer, but you could just basically go buy designer items and kind of create your own retail experience out of that. 
so it's just like we're really focused on so people get to be designers, so they get to have their own brands and that they get to make their own retail experiences. So because not everybody wants to be a designer. Some people just want to be resellers. Some people want to be creators. So we're really trying to just get to anybody who loves fashion, who loves the world of fashion, plus onboard the people who previously thought they didn't care about fashion. And now they're all of a sudden they have this experience. It's like, oh my God, I actually do get what fashion is for. Uh, because I've seen it with, with a lot of basic bros, you know, who like to wear a white t-shirt or black t-shirt where all of a sudden they're like questioning themselves. It's like, I don't want just a black t-shirt in the metaverse. In the metaverse, I want something crazy. I, I want to be much more expressive because I have this need, but I'm just scared of doing it in my real life. But in the, in the metaverse, it's a safe space to be doing that. Yeah, <laughs> super fascinating. I have a, a question about a detail. I don't know why, but I, I feel like I need to ask it. In developing sort of digital garments, uh, how much is that a, a function of someone native in, in, in 3D worlds creating something? And how much is it a function of sort of researching how traditional garments or even taking in the, the, the knowledge of a, of a traditional, you know, someone who knows fabrics? Do you have that sort of intersection in the development? It's a really, you know, detailed question, but I'm just curious if, if there are, is a transition there. Well, well, let me see if I can answer it correctly. Um, we have material creators. We have special material creators uh, right now, like one company who's doing prints for all the uh, luxury fashion companies in Paris. They're actually part of the experience, you know, so it's an, it's a professional material creator who puts the material on the platform and then you get to, you know, take that material and connect it to a, a fashion creator for somebody who designed a silhouette, let's say a dress or, or a shirt. That's also a professional fashion designer, but then you have to, what we call the co-creator or the user who just comes in and just like picks what they like and creates those unique combinations. So it's actually, it's, it's a combination of, uh, somebody who's professional from the fashion industry versus somebody who's completely not professional from the fashion industry, mm, mm. then co-creating with each other and both of them making royalties on the item. So basically that everybody profits. Does that answer your question? I think so. Yeah. Listen, Carrie, I want to end on uh, a note that, you know, Prior to, to this interview, we had a short conversation and uh, I have this um, idea of, of uh, doing a, a bunch of interviews on this topic that we will do, do during the spring. And it's really about values. And, you know, uh, we're Scandinavian mind uh, and we're called Scandinavian mind because we cover the Nordics and we feel like we have there. There is something in common here in, in the way we approach the world. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, you can talk about that forever, but I'm curious to, to your, uh, um, experience of this and you have a, a sort of Finnish American background and I, I'm curious to hear a little bit about your, your upbringing. Uh, but what I'm really curious about is there's something from your upbringing and from your Nordic background that you are bringing with you in creating your company, but also ultimately creating these new uh, digital worlds because, a lot of what's happening right now is we are creating new environments, new spaces, new countries, new lands and stuff. And it's kind of like a new frontier and you have a chance to to decide what kind of world we want there. 
and and to me, it's really interesting to talk about what are the values we are bringing into this. It's a kind of a huge question. Uh, I don't know where you want to start with it, maybe perhaps with your background, but I'm, I'm curious to have your take on this. Yeah, and I, and I love the topic as well, and definitely something that I never get asked, and uh, something that I think about uh, every single day, because for me, running a company. It has it has all the you know so-called Finnish values or, or the Nordic values. Uh, sustainability is a big one. I, I think in in the Nordics we're very good at it. It's something that's inherently in our culture and something that I would say the rest of the world is not so good at. At least Central Europeans uh, uh, they don't they don't really care about it. So if you really think about what what are the Nordic values, you know it's like it's sustainability or like preserving the environment for its natural resources. Uh, creativity and innovation, uh, you know, especially Sweden is really known for, for its music. It's uh, for its uh, design, uh, interior design, so many different aspects. Uh, and you're really good at talking about it in the world as well. You know, Finland has great stuff, but you know, they're just not capable of uh, getting it out of Finland for some reason. <laughs> uh, because that's again, one part of those values. We're humble. You don't, you don't boast about your, the things that you do good. It's just like, we, we just like always very quality focused and, you know, it's just like, we think that the product itself will sell, sell itself when it's good enough. And that, that quality is something that is always uh, super important. And then of course, uh, equality is uh, very important. Uh, compassion, uh, trust, openness, transparency. Uh, those are a lot of the things that I speak about uh, with my friends in Finland. Uh, something that, is very very core to our nature and that's why i think uh running a business should be the same it, it should not be like uh profit first and people last no it, it has to really just balance you know it, it's it is about people but it is about profit but it's also about the planet you know so the triple p that you probably see in mm, some places mm. people planet profit you know, and it's just like, how, how, do you, how do you balance those? You know, some people are profit, planet, people. I mean, most companies these days will be like, yeah, we're all about the planet and the people and we don't care about profit. But then when it comes down to the end of the day, profit is still the most important thing. And that really drives decision making uh, for companies. And I decided uh, that's like it can't it can't drive the conversation. And it's 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 so clear working here in Amsterdam where I'm based. Uh, working with, uh, traditional finance people, they're so focused on decision making from an Excel sheet. And for me, that is like almost to the form disgusting of like, how can you decide on somebody else's, uh, health, somebody else's what they need to do and the decisions that they need to do every single day simply because some tap on an Excel sheet says that we need to make money over there. That to me is so far away from the, the values that I embody for myself and for my background. So that, so because we're, we're questioning a whole industry, we're questioning, you know, the whole existence of an industry. We need to also question how businesses are being run. We're not going to innovate and create a, a whole new world if, if we're still running business like business has been traditionally run. So that's why we need to run the business uh, in a completely different ways. And the values that we speak about at the Fabricant, uh, the, the three core values, it's about having fun, you know, because innovation doesn't happen if you're not having fun. If you don't have, if you don't have a fail free uh, environment where people will clap for you because uh, you failed and, you know, fell, fell on your stomach. 
Um, but it's, it's all about getting up. It's about resilience and grit. Like, uh, it's very typical, uh, cliche startup words, but they're very relevant. You know, it's just about constantly doing things over and over again until it really starts working. Collaboration. So collaboration, you know, working together with teams, but working together with the community as well, being collaborative, uh, decentralization is another thing, you know, so I'm, I'm a very competitive person, but I'm also know how to collaborate at the same time. So it's finding that balance between competition and collaboration and then empathy, uh, really trusting the people, really giving them autonomy, independence, it's really empowering somebody to be the best version of themselves. For me, that's the most important thing in my personal relationships where we elevate each other and not just like uh, being toxic and, you know, taking somebody else down. No, every single person who works at the Fabrican needs to be empowered to be the best version of themselves. And if they, if they don't, fit into that culture they will filter themselves out you know they'll be like oh i'd rather go work for a place where i have a boss and just tells me what to do and i sit there from nine to five i've come across a lot of people like that as well and some people really want that and that's completely fine but working at the fabricant is about uh self-growth it's about challenging yourself it's about learning about yourself it's about constantly questioning the status quo you know like i don't i don't differentiate between an intern and myself in the company you know, but I do realize there's an experience difference and there's a difference in kind of uh, everything that you see in life. But, you know, for me, it's just as important to be listening to the interns as it is to be listening to the to the leadership team. So that to me is very inherent to the to the values of uh, of the Nordics. But when I go to Finland, I don't see it there. You know, they might be talking about those values. But in the end of the day, you know, a lot of people are running business just to make more money. And that to me is uh, not, not the way you're going to innovate any industry. Whereabouts in Finland are you from? Hollola. That's next to Lahti, which is like where we have the, 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 the big uh, competition for skiing and, uh, and, uh, ski jumping. It's about 100 kilometers from Helsinki north. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, I'm, I'm a small town Finnish boy, but I just left, I left Finland back in 1995. So I'm, I'm capable of embodying both which is really like have this kind of small, small town mentality, but, you know, acting like a big city, you know, but for me, I still prefer like one day I was just going to buy a wooden cabin by a lake far away from people and divide my time between like London, New York. And then when I really need to get away from the craziness, let's go back to my hometown and just uh, uh, live a very quiet and simple life over there. Kerry Murphy, co-founder of The Fabricant, grew up in the north of Finland, uh, bringing his Nordic values to uh, building a new fashion industry. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. And thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. You have listened to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology. Every Friday, me and my team talk about the current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture, and more from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. And every other Wednesday, you'll hear Values in the Metaverse, this interview podcast covering the digital fashion, metaverse, and NFTs. Or you will hear Konst, our podcast about the current and future world of art, hosted by my colleague Roland Philipp Kretschmer. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events. Visit ScandinavianMind.com 
slash newsletter. I'm Connor Olson. Until next time, goodbye.